listening to the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Do promoted pins have you confused? Me too. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring as much information onto the podcast as possible about promoted pins. And today I have Jess Barr. She is the social media nerd. And she also works for a big company that deals with big promoted pin campaigns. So she has big and small experience with promoted pin campaigns. And I'm going to let her tell you all about what she does. And so welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. As Kate said, I am Jess Barr. I'm actually director of paid social for Social Flow, where I run promoted campaigns on Pinterest for some of the world's largest e-commerce sites, brands, and publishers. But my passion is really helping small business owners, entrepreneurs, and startups understand how to make the most of those platforms, how to be competitive, and how to leverage some of the same techniques and tools that the big guys use just at a smaller scale. Awesome. And so talk a little bit about those big guys. Like how big are we talking? A lot of the campaigns I run, our campaign minimums actually 50k a month, and a lot of them wow. are are six-figure campaigns, especially around the holiday season. Wow. So you get to get down into the nitty-gritty and experiment with a lot of different You get a lot of money to work with. Basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. So cool. And uh, Social Flow is an API partner to Pinterest. And so a lot of the new features that are coming out are actually things that I've been using for months. Oh, that is so awesome, too. So then when we're all excited about it, you're like, ah, it's all <laughs> There's another one coming down the pike. <laughs> it, it makes me more excited, too, because, you know, a lot of this stuff, it's being tested, so I can't talk about it. And then when it finally comes right. out, I'm like, yes, let me let me share with you everything I've learned using this for the last three months and what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, I just I love helping other people. So it's really it's so rewarding when it finally is announced and I can start sharing those insights. Well, and I think that's pretty cool. You and I were talking a little bit before this that you work for a really big company, but your company supports you being entrepreneurial and helping the smaller blogger or the smaller business owner through um, your website and it's just justbar.com and then yeah, I love your tagline the social media nerd it's hilarious <laughs> thank you um, but I I love that your company allows you to do that yeah and so it's great is that when did the social media nerd start how did that come about how did you name yourself that you know I actually I started probably about six years ago um, I used to work in process engineering, and I see a lot of, in social media, the same type of processes and systems that I would be developing for manufacturing. And so I just, I started helping friends with it, and I'm a data person, I love numbers, and so when I started just falling in love with social media and the opportunities there, people would always comment on how much I would just geek out on the data side of it. But for me, that's where you really are able to to learn what's going on. And so they're like, man, like you're like a nerd, but you're also social and you can explain it in like a non-nerdy way. And so I just started going with like the social media nerd. Um, and right. it, it kind of stuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what then in your, what are your top, let's say three favorite social media sites? I actually, I'm in love with Snapchat still. Okay. It's, I think it's a different world than any other platform that we use. It's a different user experience. 
even with Instagram rolling out stories, I find that I'm producing different content for both platforms. It's a different audience. And I think because Snapchat has limited time that it's available and it's a bit more personal, almost at least feeling more personal. And then number two behind that is Pinterest. I think that Pinterest is like this hidden gem that mm-hmm. some people are using, but they may not be using the most effective way or people overlook because they think that Pinterest is just food and fashion for women when there's so mm-hmm. much opportunity on it. And then number three, I'm going to have to go with Twitter still. It's uh, oh, Twitter. <laughs> I know. It's, Which is how, isn't that where you and I first started chatting with each other? Was yes. On Twitter? Yeah, I think it was on Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, yes. You know, Twitter right now kind of reminds me of, you know, when, when you went to college or you graduated high school and you had that friend that you were friends with from childhood and they kind of went through a yeah. weird phase. Maybe they, they partied a lot and you were like, yeah. you know what? I don't know who you are right now. I don't know where you're going, but we're still great friends. I still love you. That's how I feel about Twitter sometimes. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. That is a really great description. That is awesome. I, I, you know, I've never been a big Twitter for business user. Like, I hop over there every once in a while, but mm-hmm. I'm always just, yeah, it's, it is, it is, that's a great way to describe it. It's that thing that's just kind of been around forever, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. They that's, have, that's awesome. Yeah. There's some, there's some stuff coming out and they recently announced like promoted periscopes and ways to, as a content creator, start monetizing your Twitter a little more. Um, so I think they're, mm-hmm. I think they're finding themselves and they're going to continue growing and announcing new, new product features and new offerings that are integrated with it. Um, but a lot of people I, I do think are leaving Twitter because they aren't seeing the value right now. I think it's a mistake. I think it mm-hmm. will, it will continue to grow and pick up again. I kind of feel that way sometimes about Pinterest. You have these veterans who have been on it for a while mm-hmm. and who are kind of jumping ship because they're frustrated with it. And then I fall into groups where people are like, what's a business account? Why do I need one? I'm like, wow, there's a really huge dichotomy between those who have never used the platform. And like you said, just think they're for women's fashion and food and those who have been around for a while and are just jumping ship. And so exactly. it's so it is a hidden weird gem that has this, it, it's still that it's kind of in its infancy stage. Like it's still growing up. Oh, it yeah. just hasn't come into adulthood yet. And so it's kind of like, it doesn't really know what it's going to be, you know? Exactly. And people so, forget that Pinterest is only a couple hundred people. And that's only recent. They've yeah. grown so much. Like Facebook has a larger developer staff than I think Pinterest does. Mm-hmm. And it is still, yeah. even though it's been around, you know, and Pinterest was the first, I think, one that really did that invite only. Um, other platforms mm-hmm. had done that. But when Pinterest started, I think there was such a big hype around it and people got on and it, just, it became food, fashion, and for women. And it really, they really started identifying as that because that's what everyone was on there for. The community really defines mm-hmm. a platform. But... And I can say from, you know, the kind of insider's perspective, Pinterest is really finding itself and they know where they're going. And I think they are understanding today better than ever what their value proposition is and Mm -hmm. what they can do in order to make Pinterest more beneficial to the users and encouraging the content that's going to be engaged with. And yeah, and I think we're going to see in even like the next, before this year's over, some more big things announced in the next few years I think we're going to see Pinterest as a search engine rivaling 
I don't want to say rivaling Google because people still go there by default, but, but Pinterest being the place you go when you want to search for things that you're intending to take action on. I think it's going to keep growing. And I'm, I'm super excited for the future of Pinterest, but because it's taken them a bit to really find themselves, there are so many people who are confused and about what they should be doing and where to start. And like, like you said, even setting up a business account for a lot of people, they don't know about it or it sounds something like big and terrifying. And they think that, you know, they might lose functionality and there's a lot of confusion around Pinterest organic. And then on the paid side, it's like 10 times as much (laughs) confusion. Yes, it is so true. And I, I love what you said about that, like where Pinterest is going, you know, really how they can serve their user base because, I love asking my friends who are not in the online marketing space how they use it and why they use it. And even last night as I had friends over here in my little shed, we were hanging out and, you know, a friend of mine was constantly pulling up things that she pinned. And the other one was like, oh, yeah, I saw you pinned that the other day. And these Mm -hmm. are two women who have nothing to do with online marketing at all. But they love the platform because it really is one of the only ways to save what we hope to take action on later. And so that's what I, I really want to continue to teach and encourage those who use it for business, that you always have to think about that end user. How are you going to help mm-hmm. them and serve them? And so that, you know, like you said, that organic side of Pinterest is starting to make much more sense. But now that we've added promoted pins, people are like, what in the world is going on and how do I do it? And how do I do it effectively? So, so let's kind of jump into that right now um, and talk a little bit about, you know, you kind of told us, you know, obviously you work with promoted pins at a really high level. Um, what do you see as the greatest advantage to using promoted pins? Like why should people even start thinking about it as opposed to just trucking along with organic traffic? I think that the biggest benefit to promoted pins on Pinterest is that you are, because depending on your targeting, if you're doing keyword targeting, you are serving a pin that is going to be matching what someone is actually looking for versus trying to, let's say you're on Facebook, trying to serve an ad that grabs someone's attention. You have content that matches what someone wants to engage with. They're already primed to engage. They're willing. They're open. They're excited to see your pin. And when your pin matches that search result, it's like a perfect marriage and they're going to be clicking on it. Mm-hmm. Um, promoted pins allow you just to get that content. It's more likely your content will be seen to audiences that are new to you. Yes. Okay. And I, I'm going to, you wrote a really, really great post on your site, how to get started with Pinterest ads. And I'm going to kind of walk through that a little bit because I think it's going to touch on the high points of what people are most confused about. So It's a little bit deterring from the questions I gave you, but I think this will be good for us. Um, Why don't you talk about the pin? And a a big question that people still have is, do I choose a pin that's organically performing well, or can I choose a a cold pin, if you will, one that's new in the system? Is there a better way to go about it and why? So click-through rate is like the key factor on Pinterest. Your ad rank, where your ad is going to be displayed on, let's say, the search results page or category page, that's all determined by your bid times your click-through rate. So if you have an organic pin that has like a 10% click-through rate, promote that. 
You know, if it's doing well organic, it's more likely to do well as a paid unit. If you have, and the great thing, higher click-through rate, the lower the bid in that equation to get a higher ad rank. So you're going to get better placement, better performance with a pin that has a higher click-through rate. Now, if you have cold pins, I almost always promote pins that have not been seen before, unless we have one that organically is doing really well. Um, I have clients, I have a client who has had a pin that's been promoted for like a year and a half at this point because the pin does so well that they have it set on $10 a day every day and it just exists. Um, But if you have cold pins, the really cool thing is that Pinterest, in order to find that click-through rate, they'll actually give you a little bit of a boost off the start. So they're going to serve your pin a little bit higher to make sure it's getting impressions until until it establishes that click-through rate and then if you find that you get a boost on the pin, maybe the click-through rate is half a percent or not super high, it may start not performing as well. But getting that initial mm-hmm. boost can serve as a benefit too. Okay. And is it, I know there's there's three different types of campaigns now. There is now awareness that's been released to, to us common people. I'm sure you've seen it for a <laughs> while. Um, the engagement and the traffic. And so if we're doing um, a cold pin, if you will, mm-hmm. do we want to choose traffic still or do is it better to choose something like awareness or engagement because that will kind of help get it seen or is it still always better to go with traffic? I found that even if, if I was promoting a pin like an infographic that we just wanted more engagement on, I found that I always had the best performance when bidding on CPC, so when driving for traffic. Traffic. Yeah. Okay, got it. That's what I've come to understand too, but I wanted to get your opinion based on how many campaigns you've worked with and your experience. So this is good. Yeah. That kind of confirms traffic is the way to go. Um, so you said something really interesting there about the cost and the bid and where you want to put that. And that seems to be the bid and how much to put into it seems to be one of the biggest questions that people have. And part of it, I think, stems from they're nervous and they're scared that they're going to lose money, which makes mm-hmm. complete sense. And number two, the lack of understanding. And so when you take that fear and um, unknown, they would rather just not do anything at all because they're so afraid to get it wrong. Yeah. And so what would you say to that person who's like, I, I don't know what to choose. And so I'm just I'm afraid I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to bail altogether. Mm-hmm. I, I always recommend testing different content. Um, even if you have the same link, you know, testing two or three different images for your creative part of your pin to see what performs best. And if you're nervous, start off with your top performing organic pin and just try boosting it for, you know, $10, maybe $20 for a couple days and see if it has an impact on your site traffic and on your business and test okay. it out first. Um, you know, kind of dip your toe into it. And almost always there is at least an increase in traffic to the site. And would you choose the bid that Pinterest gives you or is it okay to go outside of that? I usually start in the median of it. So they'll give you your like too low, good, or if it's a, a, a great bid that's going to win more. I usually start at that very middle value and then I'll see how it performs. Because okay. um, Pinterest operates on an auction and so you're going to pay... Yeah one cent above whatever the next highest bid was for that impression. So I I like to start there and then I'll let it run for a couple days and I'll see where I'm actually getting for performance. And if I find that 
I'm bidding a dollar for a, for a click and I'm only paying 75 cents, then I'll start to lower it. Mm, okay. And do you recommend, is there a, a time frame that you recommend a, an amount of days or letting it run for a month? What's going to give you a really good picture of how well it's going to perform? I recommend always running for at least three or four days. The way that the Pinterest data comes back, you're not going to be getting data right away. So you want to mm-hmm. make sure it's running for a couple of days so you know you're getting accurate data back from their system and then evaluating how it's doing. Um, we have some campaigns, if it's like a three-month activation, where we'll run it in flights of three to four weeks just to watch how they're performing. Oh, okay. um, and they, if we do have you know a top-performing pin that's doing phenomenal, we may let that run for the entire period of time. I'm, especially with keywords, where your audience could always be active and it's refreshing. Um, Like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. there's a client who has a pin that's been running for probably a year and a half at this point. If you have a pin that does well, I'm a big fan of keeping it on until that performance starts to drop down. Okay, got it. And keywords, so terms, that's really good. Let's go there. Um, You have in your guide, you talk about exact match and broad match keywords. Can you talk about those a little bit more? Yeah, so exact match would be a a phrase like top blogging resources for moms, where it's something super specific. There's going to be less inventory on that. People are going to be searching it less, but the person who is searching that may be more likely to actually click on your pin and engage with it. And then the broader terms would be blogging, for example. And Pinterest will actually expand out terms for you so if you put in the term, yeah, so if you put in the term uh, women's fashion, it's going to know that people who engage with the women's fashion pins also may engage with this pin if they search for women's shoes or women's outfits. So when it's the, bro- the broader term, you're going to have a ton more inventory available. There's a lot more chance of your pin being served. There's more just opportunity. There's more people searching for terms like it. Pinterest is expanding it out but it may not be as relevant. I like to use a mix of both and then keep an eye on how they're performing and see if there are any terms that are doing really, really well. Um, even if it's one, especially for the exact match, where there may be less, a less opportunity for your pin to be served with that phrase or with that keyword, when it is served, so you may not be spending out your budget every day, but when it is served, you may find that people are clicking on it. So you might have a higher click-through rate, even though there's not a lot of inventory available with it. Mm, okay. And when it gives you those um, suggested terms, you know, you have a picture on the, the post that we'll link mm-hmm. to. You have vacation quotes and it gives you vacation quote, vacation spots, love quote. Would you add all of those in? Is that wise to do or only do the ones that you think will fit the target person that you're looking for? I would stick with ones that are still going to be applicable. So, so if you think about it from the user standpoint, if someone searches that phrase and they see your pin, would it make sense for them to click on it or would it be interrupting their experience? Because um, there could be, it could be a recommendation. Let's say it's, um, it's a vacation quote and, you know, love quotes is one of the recommended terms. If someone's searching for, searching for that and they see a quote about, you know, taking a holiday by yourself and, and, that just may not be relevant if they're looking for more messaging about being in love and being married and all this stuff. So I recommend making sure the terms are still relevant. I try and include like 20 to 30 keywords. I used to, when Pinterest first opened up, we tested different different volumes of keywords from 
you know, 10, 20, 30, we tested up to like 150 plus, And we found that yeah. 20 to 30 keywords tended to be a good starting range. Okay. And then, then keeping an eye on how they're performing and looking at your analytics and seeing if there are a couple terms that are doing really well, you can take those out, put them in their own campaign, and then continue to expand upon them. Mm, okay. And I like you have kind of a formula here, too, that's really good. Um, you said eight for 20 to 25 broad match terms and five to 10 exact match terms. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good, um, good formula right there to hit at that 20 range, 20 to Mm -hmm. 30 range for sure. Um, targeting. So what's your recommendation as far as those that's languages, locations, devices, genders. I always leave everything open unless you need to target to something specific, especially language, language targeting on any platform can be tricky um, because you may have, you may have words that you're using that are slang that the system doesn't recognize as English. So it may bucket automatically bucket you into a non-English speaker. And then if you're only targeting English speakers in the U S all of a sudden you're losing part of your potential audience because they're using, maybe they're using slang in their pins. They're using a lot of hashtags and just terms that is filtering them out of being an English speaker. So I do recommend unless you are targeting, unless you need to use language targeting, to try and avoid that and just stay broad when you start out. Uh, age targeting on, on Pinterest isn't there yet. I, we will see it, I'm sure. You know, Twitter's trying to roll it out still to, uh, to get people to get, add their birthdays to it to have better targeting for that. So I think eventually it'll come to Pinterest. Gender targeting lights leave open also in device. It can always be interesting to see how they do perform. You may find that you have a pin that you feel is going to resonate really well with women. And then all of a sudden, men are responding very favorably to it. My philosophy on any platform is start broad and then look at the data and then start funneling down and removing segments that don't perform or breaking out those top performing ones. Okay. So if, let's say you, let's take an example. So if somebody's trying to figure out, okay, how does this work practically? So I have currently a pin that does really, really well. It talks specifically about four ways to clean up your Pinterest board. So um, without going into all the keywords and yeah. stuff like that, and obviously not knowing the range there, um, would it be a good idea for me to run that as a traffic campaign to um, target? And actually, let me pause here. There is that interest section that comes before you put in keywords. Yes. Should we use that or is or not? If you have something that is perfectly aligned with one of the existing interests, I would definitely say to test it, but to know that the available inventory on the interest targeting interest is going to be served on sometimes the homepage, but generally like the category pages. And so there's going to be a lot more competition there because there's just less available inventory. So you may find that okay. a bid... With keywords, your bid might need to be 75 cents. And if you add in an interest or only target interest, that may go up to $1.52. I also think that, um, and Pinterest recommends using it, but I think that interest targeting people who are browsing on a category page are going to be less inclined to actually click on your pin than someone who's looking at search results for a query that they put in. And what we've seen Mm -hmm. so far with it is that our keywords tend to perform better. Okay. Got it. So then the second level of that 
down would be, should I also include with that my audience targeting? If I've uploaded my email list, is that good to include in this with keywords or is it better to leave it out and just specifically target the audience? I recommend doing it as a separate campaign so that you can split the two out. Uh, but I, I do, if you have any first party data that you can target, I do recommend testing it to see how your audience performs. Everyone's audience is different. We've had, and you can also with, with that audience targeting, you can retarget people who have visited your site, which is exciting because you can actually go and create the same sort of evergreen funnels on Pinterest that people do all the time on like Facebook or Twitter. You can start having that. If someone lands on your article about cleaning up their Pinterest board, you can actually retarget them with a pin because they're probably already on Pinterest with a pin that's maybe like, hey, sign up for my newsletter so that you don't miss any important Pinterest information. So it, it can be a really great tool to use. I always recommend testing okay. it. Um, you also may find that, you know, depending on your industry, there may not be a high match rate with people who are on Pinterest. If you're uploading an email list and then having that site traffic to retarget and Pinterest has a lookalike or it's really an act-alike audience where they're going to find people who exhibit similar behaviors to your existing custom audiences. So that can be a powerful tool also. It's all, these are all things that Pinterest introduced more recently. And I think we're going to keep seeing those expand. And I think we're going to keep seeing as pe as people keep coming to Pinterest, at, there's still a growing platform I think we'll see those perform better. Um, but right now, definitely recommend testing. See how they perform for your audience. If it works, awesome. <laughs> you know, and if it doesn't work as okay. well as keywords, you might just need to wait until you have more traffic or more people in your audience to target. So then here's what I'm thinking in my head that I'm going to try. And maybe this is just holding me accountable to my audience. Is I'm going to take that pin, that one in specific, about the four ways to clean up your Pinterest boards. And I'm going to choose maybe an interest pen, just like just choosing interest. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not 100% sure about that. But then another one to choose audience, to choose my email list, and maybe that act alike audience. What is it? Can you choose two? Could I choose my yes. email list and my look alike? Yep. Okay. So then running that there. And you can also exclude. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can include and exclude. Okay. So, and I want to use the same image because I think that makes a huge difference too. Because if I'm using a different image, I feel like then it really mm -hmm. isn't a good split testing because it changes yeah. the creative. And I do have two different images for that post, but I'm going to use the image that I know performs well and then divide it out into these three. Do the interest, do the audience targeting, and then do the keywords to see what, and then run it for the same amount of time. I'm going to choose a week. I don't know if that's a good, I mean, I think it's good. Yeah. We'll just go with a week. Okay. Yeah. And then choosing middle of the road bid for all of them and maybe capping it at like $15 a day or something like that, which yeah. doesn't seem like a lot of clicks given if it was a dollar per click, that's just 15 clicks, but, um, I can drop that down at any time. Like yep. we and, about too. I can go in yeah. and take it down. And I think you're going to see that you're going to get your clicks for a lot less I, I can honestly say I have never had a campaign where I paid what my bid was ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's very interesting to note too. One thing I would add, um, that would be good. Are you using Google analytics? I am. I love Google analytics. Yeah. 
So you're going to have an option when you go to set up these campaigns to actually change the URL that you're using for the pin. So I would recommend having a different UTM campaign for each of these pins so that beyond just seeing how it performs on Pinterest, you can see how that, how that traffic behaves once they get to your website. That is really fascinating. I do not utilize those as much as I should, but I will now to test this because I agree with you. I'm like you, I want more data mm-hmm. um, than just kind of the surface data that I can get like followers. And I think I see followers as surface data, not really what people are doing with the pins that they come across. And so I'm a really big fan of digging deep into your analytics because that's where I think you get, you get the nitty gritty, right? You know, if it's actually working and even, you know, Pinterest could tell you one thing, but then if nobody's really clicking through, then Google's going to kind of, it's going to pull back the curtains. Yeah. I especially see this whenever, when selling anything online, because you could have one audience where it costs a little bit more to get them to your site, but they're, they're the ones who are actually spending money and maybe their total order value is 10 times as much and it costs you only three times as much to get them to the site. So at the end of the day, your, the value of Pinterest, it lies in what, what is happening off Pinterest. So when you have Google Analytics set up, since you can't use any link shorteners for any like third party tracking, really like UTM tags are your best bet for tracking that offsite. Okay. That's really good to know. I keep, I always forget about them. So I appreciate that reminder there. Well, I think this is really good actionable tips that we have here. And I, I, I love that it's just broken down. It's very simple. You can try, you know, three different types of pins if you needed and really just to encourage people to jump into the game instead of being afraid of it. And that, like you said, Pinterest being so new and all these new things rolling out as of late, it's going to keep evolving. And it's not, I think a lot of people take what they can do on Facebook and they are frustrated with Pinterest because they can't do that same thing or they don't understand it as much. Exactly. And that is a really, really hard comparison because Facebook has, a completely different user experience. It has a, it's been around much longer. And like you said, their company is much bigger with lots more developers and they're worth a gazillion dollars. And then Pinterest is kind of slow and up and coming and they're not quite there yet. So I would encourage anyone who is jumping into this promoted pins action. I would encourage you just to be patient with the process that as you continue to use it, and experiment with it, you will become your best, I guess, teacher on it because you understand it. Because right now, there isn't a lot of information out there about promoted pins. There isn't a lot of, you know, you see Facebook ads courses. And I'm kind of glad that there's not a ton of promoted pins courses yet because it is still so confusing. So I would hate Mm -hmm. for somebody to, you know, release all this information and then it changes two days later or something yeah. like that, you know, because they are so new at this process. But um, I don't know. What about for you? What's your last minute encouragement for those who are nervous about getting started? So I think the biggest value of Pinterest lies in the user intent because people are on there with the intent of finding content to engage with. Like 75% of the content pinned to Pinterest comes from brands you can't say that about any other platform. 
people are on Pinterest looking for, looking for content to engage with. And so it creates such a great opportunity for people to share their awesome content and just to be a match versus trying to interrupt someone's day like it is on Facebook when you promote a Facebook ad. And just, just, yeah, just to jump on, to start sharing content and to test, to test which audiences work, which ones don't, to test different creative, to test different copy, and just to get your content out there and get active. And it might take, you know, like anything, the more you're on it, the more time you put into it, the better it's going to get, the better data you're going to have to optimize against. But just to, to dive in, see how your audience responds and to, to give it a go. And of course, if you have any questions, there are so many great resources. You know, Kay's amazing uh, Facebook group that talks about Pinterest strategy all the time and just to jump in and ask questions. You know, you gotta yeah. got to get your hands dirty to learn. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. And we're all kind of afraid to get our hands dirty. So where can people go to find more out more about you being the social media nerd? Yeah, I have a website, jessbar.com, B-A-H-R. And I post content on there. Um, I'm active in your Facebook group about Pinterest too. Mm-hmm. And I'm still active on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. you can always tweet at me Twitter. any questions. Yeah, and it's I love talking about this stuff, so... <laughs> Yes, that's a really good point that if you are in the Facebook group, you can tag Jess and she can help you answer any questions about promoted pins and definitely check out the link in the show notes and um, follow her, especially if you like Twitter <laughs> and <laughs> Pinterest. But thanks so much, Jess. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Okay, so this is my third podcast on promoted pins, and it's time to take some action. So I am going to this week promote three different pins with those parameters that I talked about in the episode. I want you to do the same. Try out one pin, promote it for one week, set your budget to whatever you can afford, and test it. Just get your feet wet when it comes to promoted pins. If you want more information, you want the link to Jess's post, which is really, really good, go to simplepinmedia.com slash 20.